hey guys, and welcome to episode number 23 at The Messy Table, where life is definitely not perfect, but God is at work in our mess. I'm Jen, the host of this podcast that airs every other Tuesday, where I get a chance to chat with real women about real life and the God who meets us right where we are. And even though I interview women and it's kind of geared towards women, I know we also have quite a few fellas out there who tune in. So just know everyone is welcome in this highly imperfect space where we huddle together around an ordinary table and remember what matters most. And something fun I referenced last episode is that The Messy Table is now partnering with my church, Life Church, and a few people have asked, what does that mean? Honestly, it's not that complicated. It just means there will be times like today when Amy Groeschel or maybe someone from our Life Church Sisters ministry, and I will intentionally join forces because two is better than one, doing some of this messy work together, sharing more powerful stories from ordinary yet amazing women who've experienced God's faithfulness. So it's very much the same, but even better as we broaden the scope to hear just what God's doing in the global church at large. And today, Amy is joining me in the co-hosting chair, and we are chatting with an incredible gal who has a radical and inspiring story. Shanna Crawford and her husband, Jerome, are the visionaries and co-founders of a ministry called Cameo, which right now is focused on helping care for over 200 orphans in Sierra Leone, Africa. Shanna is also a biological and adoptive mom of six, a seasonal missionary, and a lover and teacher of God's Word. But let's be honest, that sounds precious and sacrificial and great. However, don't kid yourself, there's a messy story behind every pretty picture, and that's especially true in this case. If you met Shanna out in the community or at a Bible study and heard her wisdom and passion for God, you would have no idea that she comes from a background of abuse, drugs, and strip clubs. But God, in His mercy, pursued Shanna, just as He pursues you, and brought her from a place of extreme darkness to illuminating light. We have to remember that Jesus didn't come for the healthy, but the sick. And we are all a bunch of mutually broken people in need of a Savior. I love Isaiah 118 that says, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, I will make them as white as wool. God takes an unbelieving and sinful people, which is us, and paid the deadly price with His very own blood. And that, my friends, is scandalous grace. So wherever you are right now, grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and let's hear this story at the messy table. Well, today I have a lovely co-host with me, Amy Groeschel. So hi, Amy. Hey, Jen. Hey, Shanna. Man, this podcast is so exciting for me as we begin our partnership together. The Gingel Podcast now partner with Sisters at Live Church. And I love that we are starting it off with a bang with our amazing guest, Shanna Crawford. She's always been an inspiration to my life, her passion, her faith for God, and in all the ways that she just lives in obedience to Him. She's just got a beautiful story, and I'm just ready for us to listen in. So hi, Shanna. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, would you just introduce yourself and give everyone a little peek into your world so that they know who they're hearing from? Yes, I would love to do that. Uh, My name is Shannon Crawford, and I have a sweet husband that I have been married to for 19 years, and I have six children. I have three biological children, and then we adopted a sibling set of three children, and I have a bonus goddaughter who's at our house a lot, so... I kind of have six and a half children, and that's just a little bit about me. You always wanted a large family, right? I did always want a large family, and God gave it to me in a way I didn't expect. 
seems to be how it works. Yeah. And I remember just meeting you for the first time way back in the bicycle factory days of Life Church, and just everything that I found out about you, I was just amazed at how strong your relationship with God was uh, from even the beginning days, and your story with Jerome and in your marriage, and how God's uh, just taken you on a an extreme journey. Really, is why you're here today. So, Shannon, am I getting the facts right here? Yes, you are. So, in 1998, I went to a little Christian coffee house on a Valentine's date with Jesus with one of my girlfriends, and I met Brian Brust, who was the original worship leader here, and Jerome Crawford was leading the singles Bible study and a bunch of the singles, and so we just saw them worshiping as a band was playing and went up and asked where they went to church and they said life church and they invited us and I came and I've never left. That's awesome. So you were on a Valentine's date with Jesus, you said, and you're talking about pastors and all that, but I know that there's a little bit more to your story. So could you just share a little bit with us about kind of your story and how you came to know the Lord and a little bit of your background? I would love to. So my mom was 15 whenever she got pregnant with me and her dad was in prison. So that left her really vulnerable. And so my mom was a single mom and her mom was a single mom. So they kind of worked together to raise me. Um, but I'm a, a first generation Christian. So I really didn't have any Christian influence in my family. And so whenever I was 16, I ended up moving out of my house and going to live on my own. And that was really, really difficult for me, but I just kind of wanted to get away from from my family life. My mom was in and out of drugs. And so by the time I was 18, I ended up starting to become a stripper as a way to provide for myself. And I had went through a lot of different kinds of abuse growing up, sexual abuse and um, abandonment, different kinds of things. So that was an obvious place that I would end up landing. But in God's mercy, uh, three years into that lifestyle, I was at a friend's house partying one night, and uh, this girl had a Bible on her shelf. And so I opened it, and a month prior, her grandmother had given it to her, and she had written something on the cover. And she um, quoted from Matthew 25, and she talked about how if we lived 70 or 80 sinful years on this earth, what does that compare to the pearl of great worth of knowing Christ? And so as I read that, I really felt like that um, was written for me, that the Lord was saying, this is the answer. So I stole that Bible and I took it home with me and I began to read it and I have never stopped. You know, if you're going to steal something, that's yeah. a good thing to steal. <laughs> you literally stole it? I literally stole it. And that the, the girl who I stole it from, she ended up going to prison and she got out of prison and gave her life to Christ. And now she's part of a prison ministry, but she's graciously let me keep the Bible as a stone of remembrance. Oh, wow. So, yes. So I just began to, um, right where I was at, I began to read the word. I would go into those clubs at night and I would do drugs and, you know, do all the things that I was doing, but I was drawn to the word. So I would bring that Bible with me and I would read it and it began 
drawing me to Christ. So eventually, within a couple of months, I knelt on my mama's bedroom floor by myself with the Bible, and I prayed and gave my life to the Lord and continued to read the Word. And um, it took me about a year to come out of that lifestyle, but He began renewing my mind and transforming me, and He's still doing that today. Wow, that's amazing. Not everyone has such a radical story, but I just love it. So you said it took about a year to kind of get out of that lifestyle. What was that like kind of practically? Was it that as you were renewing your mind, God was doing these things, but you still had these old habits that you were addicted to? Is that right? Well, um, since I grew up in a, a family like I did, it was very, there were a lot of strongholds in my life. So it was very hard to believe that I could just walk away from that environment and be able to support myself. All of my family, um, there was nobody really I could count on because they were kind of in that same lifestyle. And so I really also felt unworthy. I didn't feel like I could do anything else. And so uh, one night I was reading my Bible and I was praying and I told the Lord that I felt like my life was like a jigsaw puzzle. My mama always had one of those going on the table. And so it was an imagery for me. And, and I just said, you know, Lord, I feel like it, it doesn't matter if I continue trying to put this together. There's a, a missing piece. And so then I would, I opened my Bible and I loved to read the gospel. So I would read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over. And that night I was in John. In John 10, 10, there was a verse that says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest or have it abundantly. So I filed that away and I went that night and I went to work. And when I went out on that first stage, I felt shame and I felt naked. And I had drowned that out over the four years of being in that industry. So I went on and I did the rest of my stages. And when I got to the last one, I saw something underneath one of the tables and I got down to get it. And it was a small silver cross. And I picked it up and someone walked by and they said, why do you have that look on your face? And I said, what is this cross doing in this dark, you know, club? And they looked at it and they said, well, it looks like a puzzle piece. And they handed it back to me. So I went to the dressing room and John 10, 10, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God that flooded back into my mind. And the Lord showed me, even if I would have died that night in that club, for some reason, I would have gone to be with the Lord. My salvation was secure. I was sealed till the day of redemption, but that he had died on that cross for so much more for me, for my freedom and for me to live an abundant life. So that gave me the courage to then walk out of the clubs and leave that lifestyle. That is so awesome. I mean, Shanna, that just reminds me how God just meets us right where we are and knows exactly what we need to to take the next steps of faith in our life. And your story is so powerful. And whether we can relate to, you know, oh yeah, that's me. I had that past or not. Everybody can relate those who have come to faith in Christ to being in a place that they know without Christ, they they have that missing puzzle piece to, to their life and discovering that it's Christ. And I love how he brought the cross to you in that dark place. And I just feel like everyone can say, yeah, that's my story. God came to my dark place. 
place to where where I was hiding in my pit and brought hope and life to me. And um, so your story of coming to Christ, you know, is it's a journey and a process of him just revealing and wooing himself to us. And, and you had the word of God as your mentor. I just think it's remarkable how you're saying growing up, you didn't have any good examples. You didn't have anybody to follow that showed you a lifestyle, a way that, that was abundant, that was free from addiction and struggle and pain and strife. And so it's clear that the word of God became your dominant mentor in your life. And I do want to add that um, during that first stretch, when I left the the clubs, I lived in Texas and it was before I'd moved to Oklahoma and got plugged into um, Life Church. But I did manage to find some local radio stations in Dallas that had really solid teaching. And I found some Christian radio stations that play Christian music. And then I began to write like crazy love letters to the Lord. So I had too much shame at that point to actually go to a church, but the Lord was so merciful and he did find a way to make sure that I was being discipled. So I would read the Bible for hours and hours every day. And I would listen to these teachings on the radio before they were podcast. And, um, I would, you know, pour out my heart to God, just writing my own Psalms to him. And so he used that that year or so as a really sweet season to deepen my um, affection for him. Mm -hmm. I've heard you say before that growing up without a father, you truly always felt like God was your heavenly father. That wasn't difficult for you, which I feel like a lot of people that grow up fatherless, they don't have a dad in their life, that they struggle with that. And that wasn't a struggle for you? No, it was not a struggle for me. Even as a little girl, when um, terrible things were happening, I remember crying out to him and just knowing that he was there and that he was real and that I could trust him. You know, I didn't actually put my faith in him as my savior until I was 21, but I can look back and just see how he was near. Because you faced some pretty traumatic things. Yeah. um, I was uh, molested by several different people growing up. So my earliest memories are five years old. And as early as I can remember, there were, you know, times where I was molested by different men. And um, when I was 13, before I'd hit puberty yet, I was raped. And so there was a lot of really severe sexual abuse that that went Mm -hmm. on. And that was probably, you know, what the enemy used to get me into those clubs. And so, but God rescued and redeemed and gave me such an amazing husband who was completely opposite from all of those men that had used me and wanted to take from me. He wanted to lay down his life for me and serve me. Now, Jerome has quite the story as well, correct? Mm -hmm. So when did he become a Christian? He became a Christian when he was 21 years old, but he had been saved for seven years when I met him. So he was already really, really on fire for the Lord, and he had committed himself to celibacy, and he was, his focus was fully on Christ. And so it kind of surprised him when God brought me into his life. So for those people who do go to Life Church who are listening, I know Craig likes to reference <laughs> those early days um, yeah. when he talks about Jerome being the, the four-finger four f- drug dealer. Yeah. Oh, and transparency yes. flipper. 
the transparency yeah. flipper because he yeah. had got his fingers he, shut yes. off in a drug deal gone bad. Yeah, Is when he right? was 21 years old, he had already given his life to Christ, but he was a drug dealer and he was going to do one last drug deal and he got his fingers shot off. And he just said in that moment, everything became clear to him and the Lord showed him to take God seriously and to not play games with him and to devote his whole life to him. And so that was kind of his never looking back moment. So Craig will just reference the four finger transparency flipper. flipper. Yes. And you know, who, who married someone who was clothing impaired for a little while. I like that. I'm going to start using that. Isn't that what he says? I I don't know, but that's a good way to put it. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and he's still just as passionate about worship as he was then, more passionate. So he's an amazing man. It's amazing. I mean, talk about identity transformation and where you came from shame and just feeling worthless and and God restoring both you and Jerome into just better than new, these new creations that the old is gone. and, And now what you do united together is a mighty force. It's been a mighty force from day one. And there are so many things. And so you know, you're going to know it best because I, I don't know the, the timeline of when you began to do what, but I, I feel like from the beginning of your marriage, you, you always had your doors open, revolving door of your home and in different ways that God's led you. And, and the way he leads us is always so interesting. So uh, share with us just the, that journey um, in your marriage. Yeah. So I'm, when I met Jerome, I married him six months after we met. So he proposed to me about a month and a half after, and we wanted to stay pure and do things God's way. So we got married really quickly. And he just, I mean, he told me from the very beginning, he said that we were not going to live the American dream. We were going to live a life of sacrifice. And I was really fully on board with that. One of the things that drew him to me, and these are his words, is whenever we would be in group settings, you know, he would notice that I was always reaching out to the person who maybe was the weakest or hurting. And then he saw that I spent large amounts of time with God every day. And he also had the same practice. And so he just felt like even though I was very wounded, that the Lord showed him if he would walk out to me in the middle of my storm the way that Christ did to the disciples, that he would heal my life. And so he took a big risk in marrying me because I still had a lot of emotional turmoil. I still had a, a lot of healing that needed to take place. But and we got married and we have lived those words that he told me. We've lived a life of sacrifice. Like Amy said, we've just always kept our home open. So at one point we looked at our 19 years of marriage and we had only had six months total combined where there wasn't somebody extra living in our house. And that was just the way that was best and easiest for us to disciple is that way I could stay home with my kids and there was somebody there and they could just look at our life and, you know, be an example that way. We did a church and a bar ministry together for a while to reach out to the club crowd because that's where I came from. And um, we were able to see a lot of people to come to Christ through that and um, a lot of the Life Church worship leaders came and helped us with that. Just oh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, and see yeah. That Stephen happen. Cole and JT and Brian at Damian Aranda, and um, so they just amazing. We saw a lot of people come to Christ, and then um, the Lord put it on our heart to get involved with the orphanage in Africa, and so we started doing that, and we ended up taking it over, and now we've you know been involved with that for almost ten years. We have a nonprofit that 
that helps provide a sponsorship program for those kids. And um, and you go over for kind of long periods um, of time. Yeah, we our whole family moved and lived there um, for six months the first stint, and we had to come home because of Ebola. Yes. And then we went back and lived another six months as a family, and that was amazing. And then just other things, just discipling individuals. We've had a life group in our home since the beginning of our marriage, so 19 years, and just discipling people that way. And I've always been a part of a women's Bible study. I did Ladies of Life in the early days of Life Church, and now I'm a small group leader for a Bible study that Kathy Patton leads. Um, So discipling women that way, um, and Jerome too. I mean, just our whole life is Christ. (laughs) It's just, you know, Christ is all, and he's everything to us. All of our conversations, everything that we do is revolved around knowing him and making him known and raising our children to know him and helping other people know him. And it's my greatest joy. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Davina Bress, who is a dear friend of both of us, mm-hmm. describes you as being just the most completely sold out person oh, for the Lord so that precious. she knows. So. Well, I feel the same way about her. <laughs> So when you were in Africa, obviously I know you have a million stories Mm -hmm. just from being in the literal dirt Mm -hmm. with them. What is your biggest takeaway from spending that time there? Um, That was a time for me that personally was very... it stripped me. You had read a verse before we started recording, and that was really what the Lord did in Jerome and I both, just stripped us of our own strength. And when you're living among, amongst so much brokenness, mm-hmm. um, you're faced with, you know, the, the frailty of humanity and people who are suffering and dying all around you without Christ, because the country that we visit is is not a predominantly Christian nation. And so I think the big takeaway... They kind of have a mix of a bunch of different yes, religions, tribal don't religions they? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. and so I, I think the big takeaway for me was... Um, just more than ever to get the gospel out to anyone who will listen because, you know, we've distributed tons and tons of rice and taken care of, you know, I took care of a baby for a year that passed away and that died. And so the stories don't always have happy endings, but the gospel is needed and it's needed all throughout the earth. So wherever the Lord plants you, if it's, you know, right in your own home, in your living room, or if it's taking you to another nation, seeing that it's needed. And when I was there, it made me realize more than ever that it's needed there, but it's also needed here and that my whole life needs to be devoted to that. Mm, So true. Such a good point. The life of sacrifice that Jerome gave a a vision for for your marriage is striking in that you've carried it out. But I, I know that even though you're committed and live this sacrificial life, that it's it's not easy. It's not easy to even say yes to. I've walked with you a little bit through that. I mean, you've shared with me just you're a little bit kicking and screaming. You're a little bit, you know, like, oh, so how do you how do you end up getting from the I don't know, this is scary to OK, I'm surrendered in these steps of obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, now at this stage, I have lots of stones of remembrance. And so I look back and I just see a blessing. 
blaze of his glory and I see so much of his faithfulness and I realize the older that I get that true joy is found in obedience. So when I lay my life down and I enter into suffering because I'm doing it for him and by him and through him, I experience a deep joy. So it helps me now each time I face one of those hard things that the Lord says, okay, now this, now this, you know, I can look back and say, well, he was faithful here. He was faithful here. He's going to be faithful again. And as I age and I get closer to eternity with him, I realize that those are the things that are going to matter when I see him face to face. What did I do in his name that he called me to do? And I don't want to be disobedient to him because I love him, you know, more than all of life. So definitely seeing his past faithfulness and and knowing him. You get to know when you step into the hard thing that you can't do in your own strength, you get to know him in a way that you can't know him on the mountaintop. So Mm -hmm. knowing him more too is another another way I press through. So is there a time that you remember stepping into that obedience and like what what decision was it that you go of all the decisions this was the hardest but it brought that breakthrough of just I'm all in I'm this is the the way to to live moving to Africa it was the hardest decision that I have ever had to make leaving behind Growing up as a little girl, not having, um, you know, not having memories of home or, you know, friends or I can I can't even really remember a teacher's name or anything. I was planted. I've lived in the same house for 15 years. Been in the same church. Uh, just everything around me was so reliable. I loved my life. I loved ministering right where I was. And so when God asked me to pick up and leave everything that was familiar. It was the hardest decision of my life. And looking back, I'm so glad that I did it. I'm so glad that I said yes, because I never could have known him the way that I know him now. And I did go kicking and screaming and a lot of tears were shed there. Once I actually got there, I realized the power of the body of Christ and of community. Um, So many people's prayers carried me, but I also had nights and nights of angst of just being separated from my brothers and sisters in Christ and, you know, missing my home being filled up each week with worship and Bible study and going to worship at my church with, you know, other believers and just that daily fellowship of breaking bread with other believers and having that all stripped away was very lonely and very hard. But then I drew near to Christ in a way that I wouldn't have. And then when we moved back, I had a deep, deep appreciation for those things. Oh, I bet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of makes me just think what you said originally when you began your relationship with Christ, that you realized he wants you to live abundantly. Right. He doesn't want you to just survive. Right. And even though the call of Christ is a call to die, it's Mm -hmm. also a call to live Live. in the fullest Mm -hmm. way. And that's what I hear from you. Yes. And that's what I see kind of overflowing. That joy that maybe wouldn't make sense to the outside world of why in the world are they doing all this? Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's amazing because when we take up our cross and follow him, we get a special grace. You know, we have a special mercy that he gives to us and we enter into knowing him in a special way. And so 
I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Mm-hmm. So you've really been through so much, and I know God has taught you so much, but what what's going on right now that he's teaching you? Well, um, it's kind of the same thing, and isn't isn't he just like that? You know, he's he teaches us the same things over and over again. But and It takes me a while to get it. So. Yes, me too. <laughs> I'm a slow learner, but he's patient with me. Um, just the way that this whole thing began with finding that Bible in the strip club, in the dark night of the soul, it's the same. Nothing has changed. And I look around at other believers and the ones that I see that are really thriving with the Lord are spending time alone with him every day. And I'm in a season of life right now where I'm not particularly desperate. I'm in a comfortable season. I'm not in Africa. I'm not in the middle of a two-year-long adoption battle. I don't have, you know, something big going on in my life. But more than ever, he's showing me that I can't abandon that daily discipline of every morning getting up and giving him my first thoughts, my first focus, and spending time with him. So um, every morning, every night before I go to bed, I have Jerome charge my phone on his side of the bed so I'm not tempted to grab it. And when I wake up, I do have to get a cup of coffee. I go and do that, and I have a special chair, a special place in my room, and I call it treasure time because it's a treasure to spend time with the Lord. And I open up my Bible. Right now, I'm I'm going through Psalms. I'm memorizing Psalm 103, and I'm doing a study on Psalms. And I spend time with the Lord. I read, I journal, I pray, and I'm not always greatly moved if I'm not in the middle of some big trial. Um, and right now I'm not, but he's teaching me that you have to stay the course and not abandon those things. And just like um, Pastor Craig preached this weekend, he's in the still small voice. Um, it's not necessarily about having some big feeling, but when I look back over my life, had I abandoned that practice that he taught me in the very beginning, I wouldn't have had the strength for the trials that have come. And I know that we're coming out of one trial and going into another. So it's not only about knowing him, but it's about preparing for the next trial. And I talked to so many women who have so many struggles and the answer for them is the same. You have to get into the word of God. You have to spend time with him. That's where the answers are. And so that's what I'm really passionate about. I know today we've heard about, you know, us going to Africa and adopting children and taking people in our home. And those are all amazing things that God has called us to. But I watched a um, video by Billy Graham a couple of years ago, and he was looking back over his life, and he's one of my heroes in the faith, and um, they asked him, if you could do anything differently, what would you do? And he said, I would spend less time doing crusades where thousands and thousands of people came to Christ and more time in private Bible study and prayer and meditation. And so that's really what God is showing me now, I'm, I'm really amping up on scripture memory. And, um, it's not just about memorizing the scripture, but it's about taking all those daily mundane moments that we have in our day, especially as a stay at home mom, where I'm washing dishes or driving kids to activities or folding laundry and just have a note card with the verse that I'm memorizing and, and even in larger chunks, but having it go over and over in my mind, it keeps anxious thoughts out and it keeps my my thoughts fixed on the Lord and it gives me something to offer those who are hurting or in need or instruction for my children or whatever it may be. So that's 
that's what he's teaching me now is just stay the course with my word, but in fact, go harder than you've ever gone. Right. Store more of it than you ever have in your heart and, you know, preach about it more passionately than you've, than you've ever preached about it because it's the sword of the spirit and it's the source the Holy Spirit uses to mm-hmm. transform and renew Amen. our minds. Yes. Well, the word of God, I mean, is the primary way that God speaks to us. Mm-hmm. And so, so many people ask, I think probably the number one question that I hear is what's God's will for my life? I'm trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it's not hiding. He's right. provided it in his word. You know, obviously there's different ways that that plays out and depending on personality and how the Holy Spirit leads individual lives, but that's the beauty of it. But if we're not in the word, then we're not going to be in tune to that and we're not going to know it. So it's the anchor. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. All right. Well, we would love to hear just what resources you love and recommend. So is there anything, books, blogs, sermons, organizations that you just love? Yeah, I have a lot. Is that okay? Keep <laughs> going. Hard, yeah. It was hard to narrow it down. I'm a big reader. So 1,000 Gifts by Anne Voskamp. Mm-hmm. That changed my life. And I was in a pit of anxiety. And God used that, um, not only the book, but writing out my gifts. Mm-hmm. I made it to 10,000. Um, combined with memorizing the book of Philippians. And, and gifts equals what you're thankful for. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that, that literally God used that to set me free from anxiety. 31 days of praise. It's a devotion by Ruth Meyer and it's yes. amazing. It's just basically scripture written out, um, as a prayer. And I've done it every day over and over for, and she's got days of praise and like days of prayer and different yes. days. They're yes. so good. They're so good. Um, I, my favorite author is C.S. Lewis, and so Screw Tape Letters. Mine too. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's my favorite book because it um, it's an allegory, but it paints a very real picture of the spiritual warfare that goes on. Um, it helps you to see lives. things in such a different light yes. that you wouldn't normally think of. Yes, because it's the reverse psychology kind of type of thing. Yes, yeah, and that's when I read um, every year, and then. Um, Trusting God by Jerry Bridges. Um, that was really helpful with everything I faced and with the adoption and moving to Africa, just trusting him when things aren't going the way that you want them to go. Um, Wise Women Believe by Nancy Damas Wogglemuth. Um, I've actually had my teenage daughter do the young women's version of that. It's amazing. God's Guidance by Elizabeth Elliot. That's one I reread and she was, um, a missionary with her husband, and she's gone on to be with the Lord. But uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and my favorite. Um, Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozier. The classics here, girl. Yes, and then um, Daring to Hope and Kisses from Katie by Katie Majors Davis. And the last one is uh, Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin. And the reason I like that is just because she kind of takes... Um, Precept study, which is Kay Arthur created that, all these different forms of inductive Bible study, and she puts it in a book, and then you do it on it's your super own. super practical. Yes. So she just teaches you how to do it with your own, in your own time with, you know, mm-hmm. just you. I like Jen Wilkin. Uh, podcast, Revive Our Hearts. I listen to it every day, five days a week, and that's Nancy DeMoss Wogglemuth. Um, I didn't know her name changed. She got married. Oh, my goodness. She got married. Le- it was Nancy Lee Le- 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 DeMoss. Nancy Lee DeMoss. Le- yeah. yeah. And she got married to a widow. 
Okay. For the first time when she was 50-something. Um, Elizabeth Elliott, it's not a podcast, but on BibleGateway.com, there's a huge yes. wealth of all of her past sermons. Um, leadership podcasts by Craig. And I know that I am a stay-at-home mom, and I have stepped down from leadership in our ministry, Cameo, but this helps me so much in running my household and just mm-hmm. my small group Bible study and our life group. So that's been really helpful. And then Elevation Church, when we were in Africa, Pastor Furtick has a strong gift of encouragement. Those sermons, we couldn't have survived without them because it was like a shot in the arm of encouragement. Blogs, Gospel Coalition, Reviver Hearts, and Desiring God. Oh man, we are equipped. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, no, it was so Those many. So good. It's so great to live in this day and age where I we have know. so many amazing resources just at our fingertips. I know. Well, what what's a final word of advice? Any encouragement that you want us to know? Um, just kind of, I know it's like a broken record, but going back to, if you are a woman and you are listening listening to this and you're not already getting up and giving the Lord the first thoughts of your day, this is not. Um, we have all sorts of other habits in our lives. So this is not legalism. I'm literally seeing it as this is a lifeline and this is getting to know the God that gives me each breath that I have. Treasure, um, right? Yes, it's a treasure. treasure. Exactly. It's treasure time. It's not a duty. It's not a burden. It's a treasure time. Um, and so just encouraging women if they're not doing that to do it and if they're already doing it but maybe you know just kind of half-hearted five minutes here or there really just take 30 days and give God 30 minutes to an hour of every morning in the word and in prayer and just see if he doesn't show himself faithful and if your life isn't transformed mm-hmm. absolutely and if you aren't used to getting into the word I think a great place to start for women who I mean if you don't know where to start at all I think mm-hmm. John is a great yes. place to start obviously I love Genesis just because you go back to the beginning, but um, as far as bringing in the gospel and, you know. Yes. For years, as I'm sorry, for months as a new believer, I would read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just over and over and over. And I stuck with those books, but it, you know, I learned about the life of Christ and I got it. I heard someone um, talking about they were a new believer and they read Matthew and then they read Mark and they were like, man, the same stories keep happening. Yeah. (laughs) Different accounts of the same story. Yes. Yeah. So yes, that's a great place to start. John is one of my favorite books. So. Mm, so good. Well, Amy and I just both want to say thank you for joining us and um, for bravely sharing the messy parts of your story. And our prayer is that God will use it for his redemptive purposes and really in ways we can't even imagine. Amen. We're inspired. We're encouraged. We're ready to get some more treasure time in. Thank you for, for your life. Thank you so much for having me. It was so good. It's such an honor to be able to share and to spend time with you ladies, my sisters in Christ. And I'm so thankful. I love you both. Well, Romans 8, 1 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5, 8 says, once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. This isn't a man-made light. We're talking about the God of the universe who created the galaxies and designed the intricate details that make up you, who had a plan to offer this scandalous grace to us even before the beginning of the world. So whether you have a story like Shanna's or not, this light and hope is available for you. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
This is not a table where we claim to have it all together, but where we remind ourselves of the only one who is perfect and good and wants to have a relationship with us. So if you haven't already, you can find more of these stories at The Messy Table in iTunes where you can subscribe for free and they will come straight to your phone. And you can join my email list at genjewel.com and get these episodes sent straight to your inbox. Also be sure and join The Messy Table podcast on Instagram or Facebook and get some added encouragement throughout your week. And again, we're so thankful you took the time to join us today as you are working, driving, running errands, cooking dinner, or wrangling kids. And as you go about your week, remember, life is not perfect, but God is at work in your mess.